Okay, we just want to be going straight ahead and to open this very meeting. And the first thing we need to do is to define what glory is. Hallelujah. We're talking about Greater Glory Conference. So if it is Greater Glory Conference, that the first thing we need to do is to define what glory is. When we understand what glory is, then we progress into which one is greater and which one is supposed to be maybe lesser, as the case may be. Hallelujah. And so the first definition I would like to give to you from the word is the word doxa. Glory is the word doxa in the Greek. And doxa actually uh, means, though as it has various applications, it really means dignity. It means glory or glorious. It means honor. It means praise. And it means worship. Glory. So when we're talking about greater glory, we're talking about a greater honor, a greater praise, a greater, if I may use the word, a dignified personality. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, his purpose is to make and establish one as a heavyweight or heavyweighty in spiritual matters. The presence of God's glory brings an increase in every area because weight and prosperity have their origin in spiritual work. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. I want you to capture what I've just said. You move from one level of life to another as you connect to spiritual reality. Because the source of everything is spiritual. You may need to understand that even the natural man goes to seek sources or resources to be able to live the life that he wants to live. Those who want to make money outside of the divine principles of God, they go extra mile, and all of you know, to see how that those money comes in. The spirit controls the natural. And when we talk about glory, we're talking about spiritual weight, heaviness in the spirit. A dimension of weight that you carry by reason of that which has been deposited in your life. Hallelujah. I want to believe that if you come to the place of divine glory, as it were, a typical example of what I would like to give to you is somebody like Jacob. Jacob went to the house of Laban. He was supposed to have been cheated, if need be, if I may use the word, by Laban himself. But we know what finally followed. That at the end of the day, he came out with heaviness. Why was it so? In fact, Laban made a confession. That since you came into this house, I got to realize that my business picked up. It means there was something that Jacob carried that was working for him. Hallelujah. Now. In the natural, for instance, I'm going to get to a few examples here. Like I talk about Jacob. The weight of Jacob was his glory. 
You can find that in Genesis 31 verse 1. Now, this was a confession of the sons of Laban about Jacob. And it says, And he had the words of Laban's son. Jacob had this now, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's, had he gotten all this glory. So what was the glory of Jacob? His words. Is that okay? Praise the living God. Of all our father's words, our properties, he has gotten this glory. So, in simple definition, you find that the life of Jacob was a transformed life. There was so much that he carried, and the children of Laban referred to that state of Jacob as a glorious state. Hallelujah. Now, Another example is somebody like Joseph. In Genesis 45, verse number 13. And the Bible says, And they shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that he have seen, and I shall haste and bring down my father hither. Jake, Joseph is speaking. You go and tell my father of all my glory. Hallelujah. It simply means the position of Joseph in Egypt. The authority he carried and he was manifesting was his glory in Egypt. Is that okay? Are you there with me? I'm trying to bring you from the natural then we get down into the spiritual. Because it is first natural then spiritual. Hallelujah. Now, if you look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 8, verse 7, you have a story there. The Bible says, Now therefore, behold, the Lord brought, bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria, and all his glory. And he shall come up over his channels and go over all his bands. Hallelujah. What was the glory of the Assyrians? Their might, their powers, and their weapons of war. Did you get that? Now, I'm trying to make you see there is something you possess which is called glory. And you need to really possess it. Amen? So, we find that Jacob's wealth was his glory. Joseph's position in Egypt was his glory. The Assyrians' might and power was supposed to be their glory. Is that okay, somebody? All right. Now, so, let's go down a little bit. What is God's glory? <laughs> are, you, are you getting the picture now? Good. Now, just follow it. You get this? Number one. The might of the Assyrians was their glory. The position Joseph occupied was his glory. The weight of Jacob was his glory. So what is God's glory? Now, you know you can't read God in terms of physical things. Therefore, you can't ascribe God's glory to mean weight. Maybe like Laban. 
Is that okay? Now, you can ascribe God's glory to mean things like physical weapons of war like the Assyrians. So, but the question is, what is God's glory? Hallelujah. Now, first of all, in Psalm 19 from verse 1 to 3, the Bible speaks about all creation declaring the glory of God. Is that all right? Okay. It says there is no speech, no language where the voice of God, I mean the voice is not heard. The voice of the declaration of God. In other words, everything in creation speaks about God's glory. Did you get that? Everything in creation. By implication, when you look at that which you can see, you can see God's glory. Now, if you truly want to look at it from that perspective, what he's speaking about is the might and the power of God for creating those things. Did you get that now? Because if the weight of Laban was Laban's glory, from Psalm 19 here, you begin to see that the might of God and the things which he created speaks of what? His glory. Now, that will begin to make you see something. That every man who ought to walk in glory must be able to produce some things. Let together. Take it again. Every one of you that must come to the place of glory means there is something to show for the life you're living. If, if Jacob could produce words, and that speaks of his glory, Joseph could be an administrator teaching counselors and advisors in Egypt, that becomes his glory. The Assyrian, because of the mind of their weaponry, speaks of their glory. Creation that everybody can see, the star of the moon, the trees and whatever, speaks of God's glory. If you have a glory, there is something you must produce for people to see. Are you still there with me? And God did not create you not to be able to carry glory. Because if you have to be like your father, then there must be something for you to do that speaks of your glory. Hallelujah. Now in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, God has hundred times and in diverse manner speaks in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Had in these last days spoken, spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, get this right, the worlds that have nothing to do with, uh, I'm going to put it now, because you see, he didn't say he created a wall, he said he created a walls, plural. Did you get that? So how many walls do you have? So basically in the true sense of it, that word wall, you read age. He created the ages. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Then verse 3 said, Who being the brightness of what? His glory and the express image of his person. Who is the brightness of God's glory? The sun. Is that, is that okay? The sun is the express image and the brightness of God's glory. Don't you forget this. Jacob has a glory. Joseph has a glory. The Assyrians got their glory. What is God's glory? It's not just creation. It's the sun. 
the creation that are speaking about God's glory were made by the Son. So that means the full expression and authority of God is vested in the person. Are you still there with me? Christ, the Son of God, he expressed image and the glory of God. Meaning, the power and all that God could boast of is resident in the Son. Amen? So when you have the Son, you have all that the glory of God speaks about. Hallelujah. Don't you forget this. He created the worlds through the Son. And so is the heir of all things. Did you get the picture? And Psalm 19 says the creation is speaking about the glory of God. That means for creation to come into being, they came through the Son. In other words, God's pride is in His Son. Hallelujah. Now, if you receive the Son, it means you bring you to the place of transformation that you become the pride of God. You are not only becoming the pride of God, you are also becoming the glory of God. By implication, if you become the glory of God, it simply also means that through you, God can derive. Are you still there with me? We are on a journey, so I want everybody to be patient with us. There's a need for you to understand some things about life. About the God you worship. Amen? Praise the living God. Now let's turn to the book of 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 6. Hallelujah. The Bible says here, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to do what? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, you remember, and everybody often quotes that. The knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the world has covered the sea. Am I right, somebody? Have you heard that before? What knowledge? What knowledge expressed that we're talking about? It should be the knowledge of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Did you get this? In other words, God is saying here, when you behold Christ, because you see, when he says the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that means from the face of Jesus, the glory of God is what? Is revealed. From the face of Jesus, the glory of God is revealed. The face equals the presence of a man. By implication, the presence of Christ reveals the glory of God. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to make you see some things as you progress in there. Because, you see, listen to me. We can't continue the way we are now and still call ourselves believers. But that I mean to say this. There is so much fear, so much embarrassment, even for those who claim to be the children of God. 
Read your Bible and you find that the Bible was making this statement. In fact, Sam was speaking and he says, what is making you to be afraid? What makes you to skip? You're speaking to the mountains. You remember that? Why? He said you skip from the presence of God. Now, watch what happened. Even when the children of Israel were coming out of the wilderness, there was one statement. Who is that coming out of the wilderness? That was a question. Why was the question going on? Because there was so much fear for the people they were approaching. Rahab even made a confession. Say, hey, we know already. You've taken over Jericho. We just want to be saved. I just want myself and my family to be saved. We believe you. Now, they haven't even done anything. It was just simply spies that were sent there. But the news of the church that was coming out of the wilderness was a dread to the people that were inhabiting the land. I don't know what church we truly have today. In fact, you mentioned the church today is it's an object of ridicule. Why? We don't seem to have the glory of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to be talking about the residential progression of the glory. When I say residential or resident, if you will, the resident progression or residential progression of the glory, I want you to understand how God's glory has always been, where it has always resided, and how that is making progress on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. In Isaiah, First Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4 verse 22. Everybody knows the story of what happened when Hophini and Hophini has died. Remember that? Good. And there was this statement that was credited and it says, The glory is departed from Israel. For what? The ark of God is taken. Now I want you to know that. It means God's glory is connected to the ark. Now, you go back to what we said before in Hebrews chapter 1. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us that the Son is the express image and the glory of God. Can you get that? It means God's glory resides in the Son. But watch this. That was not where it began. I'm trying to take you back to how God's glory has always been upon the face of the earth. And what it could do for you. And what it had always been doing. Even for those who believe. So number one. The glory was resident in the ark. Right in the wilderness. Are you still there with me? That is why. Anytime you see the ark. What do you see? God's glory. The Philistines could not be able to stand. When they hear the ark have been taken to the camp of the Israelites. The warfare. They couldn't stand it. They understood that if the ark shows up, God is going to do what? Show up. What am I trying to say? It must come to that point in our lives that when you show up, it is God showing up. It can't be you anymore. I, I was sharing this in the meeting in Singapore and some people get crossed with me because I said, we must go beyond chasing devils. Rather, the devil should be running when we show up. And they were mad with me. How long are we going to be chasing devils? Jesus was walking and the devil saw him. And what happened? They shouted and cried. 
Now, son of man, have you come to destroy us when it is not yet time? They even knew the time. In the church, that doesn't even know the time. Praise the living God. How long are we going to continue to be chasing them? That's the problem. But when the actions of the Philistines knows that God has appeared, in fact, any time God shows up in the world from the world have been decided. It must come to your life, to the place in your life where when you show up, the battle has been decided. Because it is not you. You are but the carrier of the invisible God. The glory of God is resident in the people. But let me see, continue to take you on the progression so that you can understand this. Hallelujah. So, here we find that in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4, and he said, the glory departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. So, the ark is equated with what? With the glory. Is that okay? Okay, praise the living God. Now, I would like you to go to the book of Ezekiel chapter number 43. I'll look at verse 5 only. Ezekiel 43. We must get out of deception. We must come to the place of strength and boldness. We must come to the place of knowing. Now, come on. Let me explain something to you. There's a big difference between, how do I put this now so that you can understand? I, I once asked this question. How many of you remember? God does not live by faith. Do you know that? Does God live by faith? Now, if you become God's children, oh, come on. Was Christ living by faith? Amen. God lives by knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't live by faith. Do you understand that? So by implication, when you come to the place of being the carrier of his glory, nothing takes you on our Now, now, let's, hey, thank you, Lord. Listen, the just shall live by faith. But those who may justify, he also was glorified. You are not meant to remain at the level of being justified. Did you get that? So when you get glorified, that is heavy. Then you are beginning to know the end from the beginning. No longer by faith. So, when you talk about seven steps to, I don't know how to walk in that. I just live knowing that all things are working together for my good. I know that he's alive. I know that he promised I will never forsake you. I just know it. And there's a big difference between when you begin to know and trying to exercise it. Glory to God. Now, you know, so, somebody once spoke to me when I was sharing this, I think in South Africa, and he said, Pastor, but you see, Jesus said, by your faith, you're made old. I said, yes. Now, you show me the faith of Lazarus in the grave. What faith did he have to be raised from the dead? Huh? Anyway, let's leave that. What I'm trying to point out is if we don't have what it takes to make things work, 
let's not blame it on the people that they don't have faith. Jesus never consulted those that he healed whether they had faith or not. Am I right? That's another level entirely. Okay, let's get down to the book of Numbers. What, what was I? Okay, as I, as I get 43, and I hear this. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner courts. What was the inner courts? The most holy place. The ark of glory. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. You can't find the glory on the outer courts. The glory is not seen and can never be experienced on the outer courts. So the outer court believers can't experience the full glory we're talking about now. Now I want you to follow me in these studies. Hallelujah. You know, we, we have the outer court, we have the middle court, the most holy place. Is that okay? Where did the glory feel? The most holy place, not the outer court, not even the middle court. No, middle court is Pentecost. Now, I'm not against anything. Science and wonders fine. I believe in it. I do all of that. No problem about that. But that is not where the glory truly resides. The glory resides where? In the most holy place. Not in the outer courts. Not in the middle courts. In the most holy place. Only those who can find themselves in the most holy place can experience the full glory that I'm about to discuss with you. Hallelujah. Numbers 9. I mean numbers number 7. Praise the Lord. Numbers. Number 7. Look at verse 89. And when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him, to speak with you, with God, then he heard the voice of one speaking unto him from off the mercy seat. I want you to see where this thing is properly located. Unfortunately, I couldn't pull them right there so that you can see. You see, it's supposed to have the picture of the ark in your mind. Now, Moses heard him speaking from off the mercy seat that was upon the ark of testimony from between the two cherubims, and he spake unto him. I want you to picture that. How many of you know how the ark was constructed? You have the ark there. On top of the ark, you have the two cherubims with their wings touching each other. Is that okay? Do you understand it? Okay. Now, in between the two cherubims is where the glory of the Lord is found. And in the same place you call mercy seat. That same place you call mercy seat which is the place where the glory is found, where God reveals himself, is what we call the secret place of the Most High. And so when the Bible said, they that dwell it in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. God doesn't have shadow, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. So when you talk about the shadow of God, you're talking about that encampment between the two cherubims. That place is what called God's shadow. God is all light. In him, there's no darkness at all. So there's no darkness, then there's no shadow. So why then do you dwell under the shadow of the Almighty? It simply means you move down and right now, you see, the Bible said be bold to come to the throne. Do you understand that? Come to the throne. What have to do with God? The mercy seat, so that you can be able to obtain mercy. Where do you find the mercy seat? On top of the ark. And what do you find there? The glory of God. Where is he speaking from? From in between the two cherubims. Not outside of the most holy place. I remember for those who have been here with me for well, this number of years, I told you precisely. When the Bible says, the sun shall not smile thee by day and the moon by night. 
It's not, it's not a confession that you read every day. Uh -huh. Now, can I explain what I mean by that? The sun can only affect the outer court. It doesn't affect the holy place. It doesn't affect the most holy place. Did you get that? So if you say in the channel, sun has been by day, not the moon by night, you are simply trying to say you won't be able to get beyond the level of staying on the outer court. Men who are in the most holy place have no need for that confession. Because they dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. A thousand shall fall by the right hand, and ten thousand, he said, with your eyes shall you behold the reward of the wicked. And nothing shall come nigh thy dwelling. Is anybody capturing this? The most place is where the glory is, and that is the ark of glory, and that thing is found right inside of the tent. And so the sun can only smile those on the outer court. I want to encourage you to move beyond the outer court. I even want to encourage you to go beyond Pentecost because there is still the most holy place. Is that okay? In fact, God is not seen. Oh, sorry to say. God is not seen in the outer court. God is not seen in the holy place. God can only be seen in the most holy place. Everything we do in the holy place is our worship to draw his attention. How many of you understand that? Seven candlesticks, seven spirits of God. The outer court is still within the holy place. But even there, when you move in there, you don't need a light there. And then Revelation tells us that this new city have no need of the sun or the moon. For the light itself is God himself. The most holy place. The new tabernacle, which you are supposed to be represented by, in that definition or description shows that God light in view. You don't need anything to bear the light that you need to walk in this world. And when the Bible says walk are children of light, that means you have been better by the light. See, the Bible says walk as children of light. What does that mean? It means light has given birth to you. Are you getting this? We must go beyond the level that we are. I enjoy all the signs and wonders. I enjoy those miracles. I love every bit of it. But there is something deeper. There is something that is drawing my attention. There is something that is saying, look, look, you can't anchor there. Hallelujah. Come with me to if it's in, I think verse 4 says, So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from the ark. I think that is the same thing with the book of Isaiah or uh, 4 Samuel again, right? Uh, that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwelleth between the cherubims and the two sons of Eli, Hophini and Phineas were there with the ark of the covenant. You know the story. I don't need to go back there. Is that okay? So let's make progress. Turn with me to Psalm 80. I still want to prove the place where you can find the glory. Psalm 80, I read from verse 1. Praise the Lord. Give ye, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. I like this. What? See, have you, how many of you have heard the, the, the is it a song now, a story? I think it's a song. Huh? 
When you say, arise and let the enemies be scattered. Huh? Oh, is it strong, eh? So where is it supposed to be arising from? Where is it shining from? Now listen, that can no longer remain a song. It has to become you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now watch this. People came to Jesus and they said, hey, what are you looking for? I said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I am. What happened? The enemy scattered. So it was not a song. It was a manifestation. Did you get that? Praise the living God. Get down to Ezekiel 10. Ezekiel 10. And verse 4. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherubim and stood over the treasure of the house and the house was filled with the cloud. And the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. So we see that the cherubim were the carrier of the glory seated upon the ark in the most holy place. Am I right? The cherubims on top of the ark were the carrier of God's glory. And here the picture given to Ezekiel was that the cherubim moved and the glory moved. Did you get this? So when you become the carrier of God's glory, what happens when you move? The glory moves. Praise the living God. Now get this right. I'm not describing or talking about things that cannot be handled. I'm not talking stories. Hallelujah. I want to lift your mind to this conference from the level of thinking that you have always had in relation to your worship and relationship to God. You must understand this one thing. Adam didn't lost money. So he doesn't have to look for money for redemption. Adam, how many of you people I'm trying to say? Do you even know what I'm doing now? It's a product of the fall. I'm only a pastor because there is a fall. Because there was never a pastor in the Garden of Eden. Did you capture that? So, Adam didn't need a pastor because he didn't lost one. God did not give him a pastor. He didn't give him a prophet. He didn't give him any of those offices that you're always holding on to. Never. What I'm doing in God's program is temporary. Do you understand this? It's a temporary assignment I'm performing. Because everything that you ever need have been provided for as you enter into Eden again. Hallelujah. If you can follow me, I'll make you see as you progress. Before Friday, all this will become plain to you. There will no longer be mysteries to you. Adam, they didn't lost the pastor, they didn't lost the prophet, so he didn't need one. Jesus was the son of God. He didn't need a pastor or a prophet. Am I correct? Now watch this. I'm interested in this. When the glory moved, I mean when the cherubim moved, the glory did what? Move. 
That means wherever you find yourself, you're supposed to be a dispenser of the glory of God. This is how the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea because sons of God shall be everywhere. I mean, it's even in your place of work, your marketplace, you are supposed to be distributing some glory now. Because he has given the spirit to us in a measure. So there's a measure of glory right now in your life, which you must dispense in your place of work. Hallelujah. So the first place that the glory was dressed in was what? In the ark. Are we all together? Okay, so you can call that the first tabernacle or the first temple because God doesn't dwell in tents, he dwells in temples by implication. Is that all right? So the first temple of God, now I'm going to make you get angry with me now. Amen. <laughs> the first temple of God, which he page even in heaven because God cannot stay outside of heaven, was the ark. Therefore, if there is a third heaven, then there must be a first heaven, a second heaven. Come on, is anybody getting this? Okay, we will come to that. Okay, now watch this. Number two place where the glory was residing was in a man called Jesus. Is that okay? Now watch this. That our Christ, the son of the living God, it's not the same thing as that our Jesus, the son of the living God. Did you pick that? <laughs> Peter said that at Christ, the son of the living God. He didn't say you are Jesus, the son of the living God. Jesus, Matthew chapter 1, was born to take away the sin of the world. But Christ is the son of God. Christ was found in Jesus. Are you following me? So, what makes you a child of God is not, you see, some people change their name every day. No, that won't do anything. What changes you is the Christ in your life. Do you understand this? Okay, let's just move away a little bit. John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Let's look at verse 11. And the scripture says, This beginning of the miracle did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth what? His glory. And a disciple believed on him. That means he carried the glory. And until this feast, Nobody knew he had a glory on his inside. Hallelujah. And it's so exciting that I found that Jesus had there just one feast, maybe. And all of the parables that we cannot get in the scripture has to do with the parable of marriage. This was marriage. There's only one place I've found Jesus. He didn't go burying the dead. Why? Because how many of you remember Ephesians 6? 
talking about man and a woman, love your wife, and so on and so forth. He said, but I show you a mystery. For I speak to you about Christ and the church. Do you get this? Now, it means here, Jesus revealed something that people have never seen before. And what was the glory he revealed? He turned water to wine. It's going to be your turn. Now, it means there was a need. And the glory in Jesus made it possible for that need to be what? To be met. That is where I'm bringing you into. He that carries the glory of God meets needs. Praise the living God. You know, you can go back just a little bit to what we're talking about, about Jacob. And uh, you see all the conditions of labor and things were not going too well as it should be. But we realize that because this man carried a glory when he came into the business situation of labor and things picked up. Hallelujah. Now John 1 verse 14. John 1 verse 14. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace. Hallelujah. I wanted to say something, but I don't know if you can receive this. Hallelujah. What does it mean to be begotten? If he's his son, how does he have to beget his son? This is my begotten son, in whom I were pleased. My beloved son, in whom I were pleased. Begotten. Let me not go that way. Praise the Lord. Do you think he's still the only begotten son today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I try to explain to you sometime past in these meetings that adoption is not in the same sense in which the, the English people use the word. How many of you can remember? Adoption. When Jesus, when God said at the time of his baptism, my beloved son, the woman, what please, that was an adoption. Is that okay? In Hebrew context, when you adopt a person, you are making him known to the entire community that the child is mature enough to take responsibility on your behalf. So, when, when God said, this is my beloved son, the woman, well, please. Remember, he said it three times. How many of you understand that? And I've taught you this before in this place. He said it at the baptism. He said it in the month of transfiguration. And then he said it again in the book of Hebrews. How many of you remember that? At the baptism was his priesthood. Not the prophetic ministry. At the month of transfiguration was his priesthood. In Hebrew was his kingship. Okay, and every one of you must come to that same experience because he's a firstborn among many brethren. 
So if there was an adoption to bring him to the place of the prophetic ministry, watch this, because John was seen and believed to be a prophet from God. Is that okay? So when God was saying, this is my beloved son in whom I will please, what he was simply trying to say in oh, Israel, you regarded this man as a prophet, now I'm raising up another prophet in his place. Believe him. Do you understand that? And then when you get to Matthew 17, they are going to see Moses and Elijah, the Lord and the prophet. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I will please. What is he trying to say? Get out of believing into that. Believe my son. And so Hebrews 1 will now say, God who spoke a sundry time through diverse manner, through the prophet. Are you getting that? In other words, listen to the voice of my son from today. Peter, James, and John. Praise the living God. So, here we find that the Bible says the world was made flesh, dwelleth among us, we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. One thing that goes along with the begotten who carries glory is that we carry truth and grace. Hallelujah. Okay. So, first dimension at which God manifested himself was through the ark. Is that okay? The second dimension was through a person in the person of Jesus Christ, his begotten son. Is that okay? Now, third dimension of which God's glory must be manifested is going to be you. Now, I want you to understand it because it's very critical. That's why I want to plead with everybody, make sure you are going to go through this meeting because we're going to be expanding on all of this. I'm doing an introduction of what the glory is tonight. But from tomorrow, we're going to re-understand it as to how this glory works. Is that okay? The third dimension of God's glory. Now, you know, in 2 Corinthians, and in chapter 12, Paul was caught up to the third heaven. How many of you understand that? Uh-huh. So, what was it in the true sense that he was caught up to? Third heaven? And people tell you, well, God stays in the third heaven. So, who stays in the second heaven? Uh-huh. And now, where do you locate the first one? Now, that's the confusion. You see, they won't be able to get into that because their thinking is they make heaven the way they think it should be. Glory to God. So the first heaven of God, if you will take it from me, was the ark of glory. The second heaven of God was the man called Jesus. And the third heaven of God is you and I. The church. Anybody can get mad at this, but that's the truth. What was it that Paul saw? Paul saw a glorious people. He saw a glorious church. It was ahead. And inside, he says it's unspeakable. The things he saw. What God wants to do through the church is the thing he can't describe. Praise the living God. The third heaven of God is a people. Makari, the glory. Now, if you look at Hebrews 2, verse 10, what did he say? For I become him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing how many people? Many sons into what? Into glory. To make the captain of the salvation perfect through what? 
to suffer. Hebrews 2 verse 10. Bringing many sons into glory. Now, don't you forget what happened in John 2 verse 11. He manifested for what? His glory. By what he revealed. In providing the wine. Is that okay? So, what does that mean? When he brings forth many sons into glory, it means every son, wherever they are, they will also show forth the glory that's going to be within them. Did you get a picture? Hallelujah. So, just as Jesus quenched the test of those that were at the feast, even so, shall the sons of glory quench the test of the world. Somebody say, hey, Pastor David, I, 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 yeah, I believe what you're saying, but I don't like putting in the future. Yes. But I also want to make you see something. It is only when the fullness of Pentecost was coming. Did you get that? When the fullness of Pentecost was fully come, there are some things you can't make real now. Now, somebody said, why are you teaching this? I'm prophesying. When Isaiah prophesied about the birth of Jesus, did he see Jesus? Now, would that stop him from prophesying that a child shall be born of a virgin and the government of the world shall be upon his shoulder? Will he stop because it was not going to happen in his age? I am telling you, you can be a partaker. I don't know. Because the time was season. It's always in his hands. You need to begin to understand the dimension of God's work. You need to begin to think in relation to how God is doing what he's doing in the ages. From the age of the law to the age of the church and then we are moving, I mean, the age of Pentecost, if you will, which is the same thing as the age of the church. But we truly move into the age of the kingdom. And you know, Zachariah made a prophecy about that. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. Those who don't believe and come to the feast of tabernacles. The Bible said they have no rain. You will understand. Hallelujah. Okay, so watch this. Romans 8. Get down to Romans 8 verse 19. Romans 8 verse 19. I see you coming out from this meeting with another orientation. And I see some things working not because you want to force them to walk, but because there is something that will flow out of you that will make them walk. Romans 8, 19. For the next expectation of the creature, wait for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. The word manifestation means a disclosure, an appearing, a coming, a lightning, a revelation. Hallelujah. And I want you to understand. Amen? Because manifestation is the same thing as apocalypse, which has to do with the same thing as the book of Revelation. Now, just in case you get so confused when you read Revelation, the book of Revelation is about the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of dragons and serpents and wars or whatever. Everything you see in the book of Revelation is talking about Christ and Jesus. Is that all right? Now, creation is waiting 
for the unveiling, the disclosure of the sons of God. Now, don't get lost about this. How many of you remember the Bible says John was in the wilderness until he is showing forth. I want you to know that. In other words, he never left the wilderness until the time appointed, until the time determined for him to do what he needed to do. If John had left the wilderness and started preaching before the appointed time, he would never get resorted to God. Because God works in timing. There's a chiral season in God's hand. When you move in his chiral season, definitely you get resolved because it's no longer you, it is he. And that is why you find in 1 Kings chapter 17 when Elijah came as, and speak to Ahab and he said, hey, as long as I stand before my God, there shall be no rain according to my words. Why was it so? Because God said, hey, Elijah, hey, go show yourself to Ahab. Elijah will not come out of the wilderness until God asked him to come out. There, there are people that God is processing and preparing. That's my announcement to you. There are people that are in, in hiding. In fact, they are, how many? 700 prophets? God put somewhere. Nobody knew about them, but they were prophets of God. I'm not talking to somebody here. But nobody knew such people were there. Elijah himself was also a prophet. Never knew. And that's one basic reason. I don't even know who you are in the true sense of it. Except God revealed you to me. He said, oh, oh, Pastor David, we're all in this church. I don't know you. Because no, we know men after the flesh. I don't know you. Only God knows you until he reveals you to me. I don't know how many sons God already have in this place. Why are you hiding? If you think what I'm saying is something off the line, then check it out in the book of John as well. How that John the Baptist, you know, there were just six months apart, himself and Jesus Christ. But he keeps saying, I don't know him. I don't know him. I, but what do you mean? You'll be eating together. Six months different. And you say you don't know him? It's about the one that asked me to baptize, said the man that the dove or the spirit respond, that is the one that Israel is looking for. So in the truth says, I don't know you. Only God knows who you are. Am I talking to someone here? But what am I saying tonight? I'm just defining the glory. We're going to think from tomorrow. So, what do you have to pick from now? Listen to me. The glory resides from the ark and there was power, there was demonstration, there was life, there was awesomeness, there was dread when that ark moved to any place. Is that okay? When Christ himself was upon the face of the earth and he was carrying the glory. How many, how many of you like this experience? Remember, there comes a time they wanted to arrest him and the Bible says just walking between them and they couldn't know. Oh, he was a magician. Glory to God. Did you get what I'm talking about? There comes a time and a season. Your fears will dissolve. You know who you are. That in the midst of, in the midst of what you think to be oppressors, in the midst of what you are afraid of, in fact, they can't even behold you. They can't behold you. 
Jesus walked through their midst. And they were looking. Why was all of that? He carried the glory of God. Remember, listen to me. Except he laid down. Remember what he said? He said, no man can take my life. I can lay it down by myself and take it up again. So, my, listen. Can I say this to you tonight prophetically? No man born of a human being has the right and the power to destroy your life. Jesus said, I can lay down my life and take it again. In other words, if he had laid it down, no man can do anything to him on the cross. He has to willfully lay it down. Otherwise, death was far away from his tabernacle. He has to lay it down because there has to be a sacrifice. He has to lay it down because there has to be a redemption. He has to willfully put it down. I'm beginning to think the Bible says he was crying. Now, watch this. If, if what we read and if what we believe theologically is true, the Bible tells us that Jesus was crying in the garden of Eden that death would be taken away from him. Is that what the truth is supposed to be? And, but do you know the Bible says, and God heard him? So if God heard him, why did he die? So what was he praying for? He was praying, God, see to it that I go to the cross. Because there's a glory on the other side. Hebrews, remember that? Hallelujah. You know what he said in the book of Hebrews? He said, for the glory that was said before him, he endured the cross. So the fear in his heart not to go to the cross was what is problem. God, don't allow me to, to come to this fear. Don't make my flesh make me not to go to the cross. Give me the grace and the power to go to the cross. And God heard him. Did you get this? And so we think he prayed. He didn't want to die. God heard him and then God resurrected. No! He was praying, God, don't allow my flesh to keep me here. I want to go to the cross. Remember what he said? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So God gave me the grace. How many of you understand? If you think what I'm saying is not true, you can still find the same picture in Mount of Transfiguration. What did Moses and Elijah come to do? The Bible said they came to stir him up. What was he staring? Because his faith was unto Jerusalem. The time for crucifixion was come. Fear was coming in. Elijah and Moses came and said, Hey, Jesus, listen, listen. We wrote so much about you. Hey, the law. Moses said, In the, the law, I say you are already a lamb and a sacrificial lamb. So if you stop here, we're in trouble. Am I talking to somebody here? And, 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 and Elijah came in the prophet and said, Hey, come on, what are you talking about? We prophesied so much about the virgin and the death of this baby. You can't stop here. If you stop here, our testimony is not complete. Please go to the cross. Say, brother, let's, let's be in agreement. A three-fold cord cannot be broken. Are you getting what I'm talking about? That is why Jesus had to go to the cross. The same prayer in the garden. Say, God, give me the grace. I want to go to the cross. Don't let me stay here with my flesh. And the Bible says, God heard him. Praise the living God, somebody. We are in another season. Stand up. Sons are going to emerge. The sons are going to emerge.